I would like for you to turn to the book of Ephesians, the third chapter. The third chapter and the seventh verse sets forth the great purpose that Paul had in his being an apostle. He states in the sixth verse of the third chapter that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And the purpose was, the ninth verse, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in, Christ, in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, under the principalities, powers, and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. The eleventh verse states the great purpose, the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord was to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God but now has been made known in Christ Jesus. And the tenth verse states that it is to be made known by the church a manifold wisdom of God. But in the beginning of this chapter, in the sixth verse, it was his calling as a Jew, but one who was selected as an apostle out of due time. He didn't see Christ. He wasn't an eyewitness of him. So Christ had to make himself known unto him and he became qualified to be an apostle. And he became a, a, a qualified to be an apostle to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. And the mystery was to make known through the church the manifold wisdom of God. And we might stop and ask, well, what church are you talking about? What church is necessary? And what is the only church that the New Testament and the Old Testament mentions? And what church would be right? And what denomination was he talking about? What is it? Let's get it straight in our minds. Well, it just so happens that there were no denominations in the sense of the way we think of it today. 
there was just this purpose of God. And it was a calling that came to the Apostle Paul from heaven and made him an apostle that he might teach the Gentiles what it is to be a member of the body of Christ. And this body of Christ, if you'll turn to the first chapter, it's just right there in your Bibles, it is the it is the 23rd verse, uh, it is the church, the 22nd and the 23rd verse, the church is the body, and the body is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So this church that he's talking about and Paul is writing about is the one that everybody ought to be a part of. It's the one that God planned, and it was planned from the foundation of the earth, and it's one that uh, that is taught not only in this book, but is taught in other places. But if you can look at this in the light of the 22nd and the 23rd verse of this chapter of Ephesians, the first chapter. It is the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. It's not only the body of Christ, it's the fullness of Christ. And when you think about getting our thoughts mixed up and saying, well, which church is right or what church is that talking about or what denomination is that, that's just foreign to the New Testament. It's foreign to the Old Testament. The church that he's talking about there is the body of God. It's the body of the living Christ. But it's made up of people who believe that Christ gives himself for man in this earth that he may hide himself in him and live forever. So it really settles things. It helps us to understand that there's no such thing in the mind of God as a lot of churches. There's no such thing in the mind of God as denominations. There's no such thing in the mind of Paul to try to fight that battle. He was just called of God to go tell the Gentiles that they were like the Jews, that they were considered as one in Christ. Now turn to the second chapter. In the, he explained to them, look at the 11th verse, Wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision, that is, you Gentiles were called uncircumcision by the Jews and that they were made Jews by the hands just because that they kept this that was given to Father Abraham before he was a Jew, by the way, just a token that he was saved by faith, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now he's telling these Gentiles and he's telling the people at Ephesus that they were lost. 
away from God, but Lambda 13 is, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off were made nigh by the blood of Christ. Now that's teaching redemption by the blood of the Lamb, which was spoken of by Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, and that he, by giving his life, has become the lamb that was pictured by the Jews to be given from the foundation of the world. So they were just a group of people that pictured what has happened now in reality. And then he teaches them in the 14th verse, For he is our peace who hath made both one, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles, hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. That was easy to say, but it was a difficult thing for the Jews to accept that. It was a difficult thing for the Gentiles to accept the fact that they were accepted. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of the two, the twain here is of the two, the Jews and Gentiles, one man so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in Christ's body. Now, how do you know that? Because he's already said that in chapter 1. He said, He hath been made head over all things to the, uh, to the church, which is his body, which is his body. And that's the fullness of Christ. There's nothing else outside of that that belongs to the peace and the cleansing that his blood gives. And the 16th verse of the second chapter said, It was one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Now when you think of our attitudes and non-acceptance of people of all ethnic backgrounds, but you think that it was because of the cross that he brings us all together it should tenderize you there is nothing that could separate us we are all brought together as one and Jesus came and preached peace to you who are far off and to them that were nigh why well, he he healed a lady who was a Gentile who touched his garment he healed others that they were considered as dogs. When she asked him to heal her, uh, he said, well, you're not of that household of Israel. And he said, well, the, he said, I can't take the food of the children and give it to the dogs. He said, but, but you give the dogs the crumbs. All I'm asking for is crumbs. And he helped her. He said, lady, you've got more faith than the people in Israel. So he just healed her. Now he came, according to that 17th verse, and he came and preached peace to the Jews. And John said he came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as them that did receive him, he gave to them power to become sons of God. But he also preached to those who were far off. And that was the Gentiles, and we, I just mentioned one of them. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. 
We're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord. That's what the church is about. That's the purpose of God. That's the one he was talking about. That is what he's talking about in this third chapter when he says the eternal purpose of God is made known to people today through the church, through the people who join together and let people know that we are the body of Christ, that we are where Christ dwells, that we are where the message is. As I said last time, we have the saving message last Sunday evening, and we share it with other people, and we need to share it. And we need to haste to that great uh, objective uh, that we have in life. In whom ye also build it together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Isn't it wonderful to understand that we are a member of this great uh, body of, of Christ and that he lives in us? And Paul said to the Galatian brethren, he said, he identified with it so much, he said, I'm not, it's not anymore I that lives, but Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, when we think about that, we may ask ourselves, is it important to worship, to come and attend worship? You know, God has always demanded that people worship. Brethren, it's, it's important that we worship together. Somebody says, well, do I have to? Well, is Christ so foreign and he's so far away that you don't want to be with him? He says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst of them. He says in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, in verse 25, he said, don't forsake the assembling together. But much more, as you see the day approaching, exhort one another. And, and that exhort is, is joined together there with a the conjunction that says, not forsaking, but exhort one another is what we do in the service. We encourage one another. So when you miss meeting together, and when you miss worshiping, you miss Christ, a visit with Christ. You miss the message. You miss the encouragement that we get just meeting with each other as the body of Christ. You miss appropriating the great power and the presence of Jesus who is the head of that which brings us together. Our songs blended together with worship as is stated in Ephesians and Colossians is that which magnifies and glorifies and dignifies the presence of Christ within us. And if we understand the great purpose of the body of Christ here on earth, we're not caught up in a bunch of denominational ideas or separation or different teachings. There's only one body of Christ. There's only one sacrifice, that's the blood of Christ. There's only one king, that's King Jesus. 
He's in the presence. We worshipped Him and we communed with Him and we thought of His blood and we thought of His body this morning. He is the one. And He is so near and dear to us. In, in Romans, the 7th chapter, the Apostle Paul talks about marriage. And he talks about the Jews being married to God over in the Old Testament. But he said it's just like a marriage that when a husband dies, then the wife is free to marry another. And she's not an adulteress. And he said, that's just the way it is when you were married to Christ. And he says that we were made dead to the law by the body of Christ. We were married to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, that she should bring forth fruits unto him. What a wonderful thing it is to be a member of the purpose and the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and make it known to other people. And in this Ephesian letter, in the fifth chapter, he likens the church in Christ like a husband and a wife. He said, husbands love your wives just like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And he also says in Ephesians and Colossians that the wives are to love their husbands and to be in subjection to them. Husbands, don't be bitter against them, but love them tenderly. And if we can understand that at the close of that fifth chapter, he said, now, I, 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 I'm, I'm speaking a great mystery. And the mystery is the relationship that Christ has with the saved. With the saved. The Gentiles and the Jews and have made them one body. And how dear that relationship is. He said, nevertheless, if you have any trouble with your wife, said, you, let, you love each other. But I'm talking to you about the great love that God has for humanity. And we need to understand that this is our purpose. And the purpose, as he had here, is the purpose of our lives. Is to make Jesus known to others. And to live in such a way as to really demonstrate that there is one Lord, as he said in chapter 4. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And he says before that, he said, there's one body. And there's one spirit. Even as you're calling, one hope of your calling. Now, in closing, I want to ask you, has God made it known how we made a part of this body and this church? He's made it so clear. He's made it foolproof. You can't fail to understand it. He's made it so simple how to become a member of that body that nobody can miss it. Why, in the... in the fifth chapter, and he's talking about the husband and wife, he said he, he, he cleansed it, the body, by the washing of water with the word. That's baptism, and that's the gospel. Plain and simple. But he said it another way. The Lord said it himself in person, in his last words, and he says, he that believed and is baptized shall be saved. There's the gospel. 
and there's the man who believes and is baptized. But he said it another way through Paul to the Galatian brethren. He said, we're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, just as many of us have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Can't miss it, can you? You believe that he was the one who came to redeem man, the Jews and Gentiles, and make them all one in this body. Not in a denomination, in his body. In his body from heaven. His fleshly body made it possible for us to be in his spiritual body. And his spiritual body is the people who believe in the story that he came from heaven, died, and became the lamb that was pre-planned before the foundation of the earth the earth and the world was laid to save all humanity. But you know, Jesus said it another way. He said, if you're not born of the water and the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And I know the kingdom of God. Jesus has said the kingdom of God and the church is the same. You say, well, where did he say that? He said it in Matthew 16 when he said, I'm going to build my church upon this rock. And I'm going to give unto you the keys of the kingdom. He used it interchangeably. So the kingdom and the church is the same. And he said, except you be born of the water and of the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom. Well, how are you born of the water and the spirit? Well, I don't know. Well, Jesus explains that. He said, in Matthew 13, he said, This people's hearts wax gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes are closed, lest they should hear with their ears and see with their eyes and understand with their hearts and eyes should, and be, should be converted and I should heal them. Now how are you converted? By hearing and understanding. Hearing and understanding. They shall all be taught of God, John 6 and verse 44 and 45 says. They that have heard and learned cometh unto me. So when you understand that Jesus has made it so easy to understand and in a formula that if people would just believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believe that he is, is able to come into their hearts and lives when they obey that teaching. You put it all together, it's very easy. But yet you know some people will not accept it. Now why? Perhaps it's because that it's difficult for them to believe in the spiritual Christ who came and told us who he was and you know what people called him? A devil. You know what people called him? Religious people? That he was a blasphemer. You know what people said? Said you're equal to God. He was. But they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. Now Jesus said, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, throughout the nation, throughout the world, and are places that really accept Christianity, when people die, the general consensus is, well, he went to heaven. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't teach that. A gospel preacher today doesn't teach that. A gospel preacher today says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you're born of the water and the Spirit, you enter the kingdom. If you have faith 
and you're baptized into Christ, you can put him on. And if you repent of your sins and be baptized, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the promises unto you and to your children and all them that are far off. And Jesus said, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they might have a right to the tree of life and enter in through the gates of the city. That's what John said by Jesus' statement. We must hear him. He said, You would not come to me that you might have life. People today that's rejecting Christ and his spirituality are people that are rejecting just as they rejected when he was here in the flesh when they didn't receive him as the Son of God. He's ready to come into your life. His purpose was pointed out this morning in Ephesians 3. Eternal purpose of God is the church. You can be a member of it. Another passage that is equally as simple is in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter and verse 13, by one spirit, that is the direction of one spirit, the teaching of one spirit, are we all baptized into one body? Somebody said, well, that's the Holy Spirit baptism. No, it isn't. What do you mean it isn't? Well, in that list of things in Ephesians 4, it says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one God and Father of all who is above all. And before we start, he says there's one body and one spirit. Now, there's one spirit and there's one body and there's one baptism. Now, if the baptism he's talking about here is the same as the spirit, then you've got two things there. Now, there is a Holy Spirit baptism, and it was given to the Gentiles, and it was given to the people on the day of Pentecost. But the Holy Spirit comes today when we're baptized in water. And he said to the eunuch, here's water what's in me. He said, in Carnitas' case, can any man forbid water? That these should be? And if there's just one, then which one is it? It has to be that one. And we accept it because of the teaching and God will accept us and you can be baptized into Christ this morning and you confess him and repent of your sin or if you haven't lived as you should and you've wandered away from him come back and, and claim him again as we stand together and sing